Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I'm gonna hate it. Money Pit is presented by Bank of America and SunTouch Floor Warming Systems. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you get your home improvement projects done. You got some questions about taking on some projects around your house, whether you're working inside or out, still a bit chilly in most of the country, but there are some outdoor projects getting done. Or maybe you're trying to do some painting, you're planning a project for the spring, whatever's on your to-do list, we would love to help because that's what we do. We've been doing this a long time, and we love to give you the answers that you need to move things along, save some money, save some energy, and make sure your home is the best it can possibly be. Coming up on today's show, well, every month of the year has its sales, and February is no exception. We've got Valentine's Day, we've got President's Day, and it turns out that the it is also the very best month to buy a mattress. So we're going to share what you need to look for for a good night's rest in today's smart spending tip just ahead. And one overlooked space where we spend a lot of time is the bathroom. And if you're trying to give a small bathroom a makeover, you really have to figure out how to make every inch of that space count. So we're going to share some ideas on how you can maximize a space in this oh-so-important room. Plus, we're all looking for ways to be more comfortable in our homes. We've got a few ideas for how your windows can help without needing replacement. That's right. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. Let us know what you are working on. You can post your questions. You can email them to us. Whichever way you decide to reach out, we are standing by to help you with all of those home improvement projects, whether they're big or small or major or even just major for you, but you feel like it's a big project. You need a hand. We're standing by. Let us give you the hand. You can reach out to us at one eight 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 Money Pit or post your questions at moneypit.com. So what are you working on? And most importantly, what do you need some help getting done? Give us a call. We are here to do just that. Heading out to Chicago where we've got Caesar on the line. What is going on at your money pit? Hi, guys. We bought a house here in Chicago uh, in the summer. And uh, over the summer, we had some uh, contractors come in and help us move the washer uh, and dryer to where now they're backed up against a wall that the other side is outside. And so the drain pipe is now uh, facing the well. The other side of the drain pipe is outside, and it's freezing. <laughs> the freezing cold temperatures here in Chicago, and so we think that they just didn't insulate or under insulated. And so I was wondering, what is is there a DIY project around insulating? I, I know that you know you can get guys to come in and do an injection, um, uh, or maybe even blow in. And it all sounds like a lot, but this is a wall that's only like eight by eight. So I was wondering if there's something maybe easier that I could do as far as insulation goes. So you say the drain pipe is is, uh, freezing. What about the supply lines? 
funny enough, no problems with the supply lines. It, it, we we uh, were running the washer, and the water was going into the washer just fine. But then we saw flooding actually coming because the it, it was obviously uh, when it tried to drain, all the water was coming out. Wherever that trap is, it's the U-shaped portion of the pipe. The water just sits there, and it must be being exposed to the exterior temperatures. And this yeah. pipe is inside that wall because if it's a right. normal 2 by 4 wall, you don't have a lot of space left for insulation. What they should have done is they should have put a piece of foam insulation, like the foil-faced foam, just oh. like backing up against the sheathing, right, against the yeah. sheathing. And then the pipe could have been in front of that, and you would have had at least a thermal bridge between the exterior and the cavity. So right now, that's probably the coldest spot in the whole exterior wall where that pipe is, because that takes a lot. I think, I have rarely heard of this happening, Caesar. But unfortunately, there's going to be no easy way to fix this except for cutting open the drywall and doing it right. So you'll okay. have to pull the washer out of there. And what I would try to do is I would try to surgically cut out the drywall on the center of the studs. So you're going to have a stud to the right of the pipe, a stud to the left of the pipe, and you want to cut it right down the middle of that stud so you re so you retain that other half of the wood as a nailing edge, right? Ah, gotcha. So I'm, I'm just exposing that bay uh, and, and cutting Correct. so that I can cut, put the same piece of drywall back in easily. Okay. Well, that's optimistic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you, you, I don't think you'll be able to put the same piece of drywall back in. Okay. Um, you, you're probably going to have to get a new piece. I would probably only do this from the height, the top of the pipe down. We can hope that okay. there's insulation above that. I mean, you once you get it open, you'll be able to kind of look you know, get up, get your head upside down, look up on that bay, and see if there's any more insulation above it. Clearly, below it, it's not. Does this go down to a basement? Uh, well, it, it does go down. Uh, it just we don't we're we're on a concrete slab. So when you say basement, oh. I'm not, you know. And I also don't totally know the house yet, so I don't know exactly where it's going. But I know it's going down. I, I, I imagine it's reroutes back in towards the warmer uh, wall where it used to be. That that they just you know they rerouted this you know weird shape to get it to where we wanted the washer, but now that now it's exposed to the cold, I imagine it, it now goes back down to where it used to go, the original drain pipe, uh, which is more inside the house. You know, I don't think they cut a hole in your slab to do this, so they probably, they, they have to run it somewhere. I'd be interested in where it's running, just that we're, we're sure we're actually insulating the right section okay. of this. You, you want to see if you can trace out where you think that drain is running or if you can reach the contractor, ask them how they ran it so mm -hmm. that you're actually getting to the right place here because you could tear this wall open and insulate behind it, and maybe it's freezing somewhere else. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. You know, I would just replace that piece of drywall, take that out, insulate behind okay. it, try to get, like, don't put, just put fiberglass behind it because it'll get all squishy and won't really give you much. I would try to put... Um, like an isocyanurate, which is like the foam insulation or like the dow board, the blue okay. dow boards, that kind of thing. You're probably, unfortunately, going to have to buy an enormous piece to get what you need out of this. But, but maybe your home center will sell you some scraps uh, and fill okay. that cavity all the way down at the floor, all the way up as far as it goes, uh, and then insulate the rest of it with some, with some regular fiberglass and see what happens. You might even leave it, if you do it in, in the near future, you might even leave it open for a while to kind of test it and see what happens before you close it back up. Right, right. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, that makes a lot of sense what you're saying, so I'll give it a shot. All right. Good luck with that project, Caesar. Thanks, guys. Now we've got Rosalie on the line who's looking for ways to make her home more accessible. Tell us about it. 
I'm looking to install an elevator in a two-story house. You know, that's actually becoming very common, installing elevators in houses. It used to be something that was thought of as impossible, but now with advanced technology, it's entirely possible. It takes the same space as, say, a small coat closet. Uh, It operates, you know, you're not going to have five people in it. It operates designed for a single person or maybe a person and an aide. I would make sure it's big enough for a wheelchair because that could happen in your future. And you just got to block out the space for it. So the first question is, where do you want to put it? And, you know, do you have access to this first floor of the elevator without having to go up the, the basically the landing of the elevator without having to go up any steps or make sure there's a ramp there? And then you need to carve out the space for it for the two stories or, or whatever, however number of stories you're going to have for this. And it can be installed. I actually um, helped my uh, my cousin who had an elevator put in his house. He was uh, impacted by a very severe hurricane in the Northeast and lost a good part of his house. And when he rebuilt, he planned in an elevator space. And the only issue we had uh, was that it was basically accessible from ground level. And there was a small pit underneath of it for, you know, some of the controls and I guess the springs or the motors or whatever. And that pit used to fill with water. It was something that he hadn't thought about, but being in the shore... I guess that was something he probably should have, or at least his architect should have told him. So um, we designed a pump and found us, oh, helped him install a pump and found one that fit perfectly underneath the elevator to keep that pit dry. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's a tried and true uh, technology today, and there's no reason you can't do it. All right. I hope that helps you out and get you around the house a little bit easier. Heading out to Texas, where we've got Tom on the line, who's got a question about a water heater. Um, what's going on, Tom? Did something break? Is it old? What's happening? I have a early 80 model home. Um, I was thinking about switching my water, my 40-gallon hot water heater to tankless hot water heater. Ah, yes. So it's the tankless or not tankless, which way to go question. So listen, I am a fan of tankless, Tom. I think that uh, it's great technology. I think the idea of having an endless supply of hot water is very attractive. And especially as a guy who brought up three kids, uh, we were always running out of hot water, it seemed, especially during those uh, morning shower runs and that sort of thing when everybody had to get out the door at the same time. I now have a combi unit. I have a tankless water heater and a tankless boiler built into one appliance that I'm thrilled with, an incredibly efficient way to go. So there are a lot of options there. If you have hot water system, I would think about whether or not you want to go with a combi unit, which has the tankless built into it, so you'll have one less appliance. The other nice thing about these things is that they are very small compared to the size of a standard water heater, almost tiny. Uh, The unit that I have is about the size, you know, Leslie, I think it's the size of my spice cabinet in the kitchen. Seriously? (laughs) That is super tiny. It's about like 18 inches wide. And like about 30 inches tall. So it's it's really the size of like a small kitchen wall cap. I mean, that's really amazing. And if it does the job and it takes up less space, then that's definitely a win-win situation. Well, every month of the year has its sales. You know, they're spurred on by holidays. And February's got two. We're talking about Valentine's Day and President's Day. And it turns out that February is the best month to buy a mattress with discounts up to 50%. So here's what you need to look for for a good night's sleep. Now, according to Good Housekeeping, there are three common types of mattresses, inner spring, foam, and adjustable. Now, there's no one right material to choose from, but in general, side sleepers need a softer mattress. If you sleep on your stomach, you need a firmer one. And back sleepers fall somewhere in between. 
Jeez, it's very confusing. And I mean, I remember the days going to the store where you could just lay on every mattress and kind of be like, is, is it this one? Do I like this one? You know, it's And hard today to you're pick. like, couldn't think of anything more disgusting than that. Right? right? I'm like, can I still do that? <laughs> I don't know. So beyond the types of mattresses and the firmness, you kind of have to think of a few other factors that are based on your needs. For example, if you prefer a firmer mattress base, Memory foam options have less spring and offer more pressure relief. And to determine the quality, you want to look at the density and thickness of the foam, and that's going to determine how deep you will actually sink into that foam. Now, if you sleep on your side, you're going to want a surface that will support your body weight and also conform to your body's shape. And for that, inner springs might have more pressure relief than some foam or latex mattresses, but a soft foam mattress or one with sort of built-in pressure relief points around the shoulders and hips, those can really work well for side sleepers too. Now, if you can't decide what matters most, or maybe you have one set of sort of likes and dislikes and your partner's is completely different, well, some manufacturers make a hybrid-style mattress that combines the buoyancy of an inner spring core with the motion isolation of memory foam, kind of a best-of-both-worlds situation. And one more thing, as we mentioned before, you know, going into stores and laying on mattresses is you know pretty disgusting these days in the, in, uh, the world of COVID. So... A better option is to probably buy one online. And here's why I say it's a better option. Make your best choice because most of these online mattress retailers will let you try out the mattress, most of them for about 90 days. I know a couple that if you don't like it, you call them, they come and pick it up. And actually, they donate it, I believe, to needy organizations or homeless shelters and Salvation Army and places like that. So you really can't lose. You get to actually sleep on it for three months and, and make sure it's right for you or, or not. And then you can send it back and try again. All right. And it's always fun to see how they shove a mattress in such a tiny box and what happens to it when you open that box. So definitely a lot of interesting ways for you guys to shop out there and lots of mattress choices. So make February the time you finally upgrade your bed. And that's today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. How do you know it's winter? Well, Ken in Wisconsin is dealing with ice and snow in the gutters. Ken, sorry you are dealing with this weather. How can we help you today? Well, what I've got is i got a ranch-style home. I put an addition on, and since I put the addition on now, when I get snow, we had the snow, I got about eight inches on the roof, but now i got a ice buildup in the gutters, and it's now backed up a little bit, and i got icicles probably four or five foot long. I'm afraid it's going to back up into the house. How do I stop that, or is there a way to get it uh, melted and get rid of it? Okay, so so this is an addition, and it's only happening on the addition, and it's not happening on the main house? No, it's happening on the main house and the addition. Both, okay. So this is what is known as ice damming. And the reason ice dams happen is because warm air uh, gets up into your attic space around sort of the middle of your house because you don't have enough insulation. And then it heats the roof right above the heated space of the house. And that lets the snow melt. And then the snow washes down the roof edge until it gets to that line of about right above the exterior wall. That's when it starts to get a lot colder and starts to form ice. And then more snow melts, more ice forms. More snow melts, more ice forms. So that's what's happening. That's the reason this is happening. How can we stop this? Well, 
a few things. First of all, it's a good idea to take a look at your level of insulation. And in your part of the country, you really should have 15 to 20 inches of insulation, if not a bit more. Adding insulation will stop the ice dams from forming because you won't have as much water running down your roof all at once and freezing at the roof edge. The second thing that you can do is take a look at the ventilation. If you have good ventilation that goes in the soffit up under the roof sheathing and out, like, for example, at a ridge vent, again, that ventilation stops the difference in temperature across that particular area. Remember, we're holding the heat at the ceiling of the house above the insulation in a perfect world we want that to actually be the same temperature as the outside because if it is you're not going to have this disproportional melting of snow up higher on the roof and that water running down and freezing at the roof edge i'm guessing we have nothing was a problem until i put the addition on i wonder if they didn't put enough insulation in the addition and that's where i'm having an issue it may very well That's why I was trying to figure out if it happens all the way around or just the addition, because I was kind of thinking the same thing myself. Now, the other thing that you can do is, and of course you can't do it now when your your roof is full of ice, but um, there are heating coils that are designed to go at a roof edge, but it's not the solution it's 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 a temporary solution of anything and of course it's expensive to run and it's expensive to buy and install but sometimes in commercial buildings or restaurants hotels where they want to be sure that none of the ice is going to fall and hurt somebody you'll see these electric coils right above those areas for this purpose to kind of melt the ice and turn it back to water and and be done with it. So that's an opportunity for you. But again, I would rather see you put the insulation in because besides stopping the ice from forming, you're going to lower your heating costs, which are going to be astronomical if you don't have enough insulation. So take a look at the insulation. Take a look at the ventilation. I think your solution lies right there. I will do that. I appreciate that advice. Good luck, Ken. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Sharani in Colorado's on the line has a question about mold. What can we do for you today? The pipes have broken inside the walls, and we fixed the pipes and everything. Now we got this problem with the mildew and the mold. So we have we want to know what's the best way to treat it. Yeah, you know, first of all, when that happened, did you uh, file a claim with your homeowner's insurance company? No, we just got the house. We got it as is, so we're fixing oh, it before we move oh, in. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, well... Is it a lot of mold or is it a little bit of mold? A lot. We're ripping out drywall, and as we rip it out, we're finding more. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, this is generally not a do-it-yourself project because when you have a lot of mold, you can contaminate parts of the house with this. I really think this is the kind of thing that you want to stop and get some professional help with, Sharani, because if you release all those mold spores into the air, you potentially could be causing a bigger problem. I mean, generally... When you have that that much mold, you say a lot of mold, you have to be careful about how you take that apart 
what you generally do is you depressurize the house. You put fans in the house so that it pulls uh, the air out as you're breaking out that the drywall and so on and flushes all of those mold spores to the outside. And then all of the framing gets sprayed down so that you kill anything that's left behind. You get it good and dry, and then you re-insulate and re-drywall. But it's a pretty big job. And when you have a lot of mold like that, you can be exposing yourself to that mold, and that could make you sick. So I would say to proceed very cautiously when you're trying to rebuild a house that's got heavy mold damage. It's uh, it's not an easy problem to resolve. Okay. So good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, one overlooked space where we spend a lot of time is the bathroom. And if you're trying to give a small bathroom a makeover, you really have to figure out how to make every inch of it count. That's right. And if you're going in for a renovation, you need to think smart design to make the most of that very small space. Yeah. And the challenge of a small bath is really that you're going to need the same things in that small bathroom that you need in a big bathroom. But you need to know how to place them and what to use to make that bathroom look like it's bigger than it actually is, because that's the trick. You got to figure out how to make the small space feel much more large and accommodating. Now, if it's a full bath, it's going to have a shower or a tub or both. And if you've got to have a sink, of course, and then you got to have a toilet. So beyond that, your space is your own, except you don't really have a lot of it. Yeah. So when it comes to figuring out the remodeling part of this, it really starts at the door. Now, obviously, most bathrooms have a door that swings like any other interior door. But if you've got a small bathroom, it's a really good time to consider a pocket door. Pocket doors slide in and out of the wall cavity, so no swing is needed. That can save quite a bit of space. Or you can use a sliding door like the barn-style doors that run along the outside wall. They kind of give you a very nice sort of modern or industrial look to the space, and they work well in this particular situation. Now, next, you've got to think about the mirror. Every bath space needs a mirror, and choosing the right one can actually make that bathroom feel bigger. The larger the mirror, the bigger the space is going to feel, but you have to make sure you size it appropriately for the space. You can't just be like, woohoo, here's an entire wall of a mirror in my teeny tiny bathroom. That's going to not work so great for you. Now, color is also important. Lighter choices are always better. And that means the tile, if you're going to use tile, the paint finishes, the shower glass door, the curtain, whatever it is, you've got to make sure that it's nice and light and makes that space feel nice and open and airy. Now, with small baths, storage, of course, is always the biggest problem, but you can kind of cleverly sneak in some spaces that will get you all the storage you need. So, for example, don't forget to make strategic use of your airspace, and that's the space up overhead. For example, I have a small bath, and we have sort of a hotel-styled towel rack up on the walls, kind of just above, like, eye level. It's not terribly high, but, you know, that we weren't doing anything with that space before, and, and now we've got our towels up there. Or you can add a cabinet, like, right above the toilet. When it comes to those small baths, every inch counts, so you really got to use the airspace. You can also think about putting in a recessed mirror or a recessed medicine cabinet above the sink. In fact, any inside wall, any interior wall is a good place for making recessed or hidden cabinets without impacting your home's insulation. You don't want to do it on an exterior wall because that spot will then become the coldest spot in the bathroom. And finally, guys, one of the must-haves for bathrooms, really regardless of size, is safety. So you want to make sure that you have a good hand bar, tile bars, grab bars, that kind of things. But the good news is that even grab bars today, they can look super stylish. You can get them in a lot of different finishes, bronze, satin, all kinds. So you've got something that will go with your decor in that bathroom space, but it's going to give you smart functionality with a stylish look. So definitely keep an eye out for those things as well.
Jacob in Kentucky is on the line with a water heating question. What can we do for you? Hi. Um, yeah, basically, the problem that I'm having is um, when I'm taking a shower, and it kind of in the sink as well in the kitchen, um, when I turn on the hot water, you could, I mean, you can cook macaroni in the hot water. Um, you got to kind of fidget with it if you wash your hands too long or something. Uh, and in the shower, kind of the same thing. Um, you know, I won't turn it on full blast on hot, but, you know, just about um, normal. And it'll cool off after just a couple of minutes. It'll just almost go cold. And then, you know, just as you're taking a shower, I mean, in the duration of five or ten minutes, I mean, I end up going all the way over with uh, with the hot water, just, you know, the one knob, and end up turning it on, I guess, you know, like full blast hot. So let's see what's going on here. Um, how old is your water heater? It's fairly new. I think it's uh, just a few years old, maybe three years old. Is it electric or gas? It's gas. So first of all, let's check the temperature of the water heater. It needs to be at about 110 degrees and see if there there may be a temperature indicator on the valve that you can line up or you could simply measure it with a thermometer. Secondly, in terms of the shower, what I would recommend is that you install what's called a pressure-balanced valve. So what a pressure-balanced valve does is that once you set the temperature, it maintains the mix between hot and cold so that you deliver that same temperature regardless of what happens to the pressure on one side or the other. So if somebody flushes the toilet or you know runs the dishwasher and all of a sudden you've got less cold water or less hot water, it's going to adjust. So the flow may be greater or less, but the temperature will never change, and that makes the, the shower situation pretty much go away. Uh, what, what was it called again, the valve? A pressure-balanced valve. It's a type of shower valve. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, ask your plumber for it. They'll know exactly what you're talking about. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate your call. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Zelda in North Carolina is looking for some help with a renovation. What can we do for you? Yes. Um, I've done a lot with my floors, but I, I put some laminate in everywhere because I have a little chihuahua dog and didn't want to get scratches on real wood. But there is a bathroom upstairs and a small hallway in front. And I didn't want laminate there because you don't want it in the bathroom. So what else would be good? Because I didn't want the grout issues of tile or, and I didn't know what else to go through. I thought about bamboo or is there some tile that doesn't have the grouty stuff or? Well, there's a wide variety of choices. Now, you mentioned that you didn't want to put laminate there. Do you want something that gives you a wood look? Not necessarily. All right, well, one of the options that I was thinking would be a bamboo floor. Bamboo is very, very durable, and it's also very good in moist, damp areas. It doesn't swell. And you can pick up bamboo as an engineered product, which means it's made in multiple layers, which gives it dimensional stability. But, of course, that is going to give you sort of that wood look. There are also luxury vinyl products that are out today that are very, very thick and heavy vinyl tile that are not very expensive. Yeah, it's like a rubberized vinyl even. They're fairly thick. They're, you know, available in like a plank style, so it actually looks like wood. Some of those will um some will snap together as the rubberized vinyl. Some will sort of overlap and stick to one another. It depends on the quality of the product, to be honest with you. But they're both, you know, whichever, however much money you do spend on a rubberized vinyl, it goes together very easily and it looks fantastic. And it's a little bit softer, so it's more forgiving on your, you know, your legs, knees, back when you're standing in the room for a long time. Well, yeah, because my first choice when I went to look was the bamboo. 
but I wasn't sure if that could go in the bathroom. So that, that really is what I kind of like the best. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. That's very helpful. You're welcome, Zelda. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, we're all looking for ways to be more comfortable at home. And while windows can be part of the reason you might not feel that comfortable, using window covering strategically can actually help you stay warmer or even cooler in the summer. Yeah, you want to pay attention when you're home during the day, determine which windows are getting the most sun, and you can maximize getting that heat in your house by making sure those windows are not covered with window coverings or blocked from the outside by vegetation. Well, if you're thinking that you're not home to raise those window shades up and down, you can do that by using smart window shades. These window shades will go automatically up and down when the sun comes up, when the sun goes down, and so on. And uh, that will take care of gaining as much heat as you possibly can. And if you're trying to stay warm and comfortable on those northern windows, where the windows where you don't have sun, think about using a certain type of shade there called a cellular shade. It kind of looks a little bit like a waffle kind of a shape. And it adds another inch or so of insulation to the inside of that window glass. And that really helps reduce the amount of drafts that you would feel coming off of that glass because it interrupts that convective flow. And if you're sitting near one, you won't feel that sort of drafty feel where the heat sort of strikes the glass and then it cools and chills and falls down. Sometimes you think that's a draft from coming from the outside, but very often is a draft coming from the inside, so to speak, when the heated air strikes the cold surface and then reverses. Deb in Illinois, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? My husband and I are in the process of either building a home or looking into having a modular put up. And I would like to know if you have any pros or cons as a modular pros to a building a home, a new home. Sure. Well, I've actually built both, and I can tell you that the modular homes go up quicker generally. And um, they can be more accurate because everything is fabricated inside of a factory. And so you'll find, you know, tighter corners and, uh, you know, squarer walls and, and, and that sort of thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with either approach. They both work. But if you go modular, it will probably go together a little bit more quickly. I guess the con to that is that you may not have as much flexibility in design, but that, again, depends on the factory you're working with and the builder you're working with. I will say this. You want to make sure you choose a builder that's very experienced with modular homes and not one who just thinks he can put together anything because there are some peculiarities to them the way they're built. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. James in Tennessee has reached out, and he says, My master bathroom seems prone to moisture. It never had a fan. I'm wondering what you think about those fan light combo units with moisture-sensing switches. Also, I read on MoneyPit.com that you don't recommend venting into your attic space, although I know it's common around here. So he's in Tennessee. I mean, I feel like that's kind of a common practice a lot because people are lazy. But <laughs> Yeah. It may be common, doesn't mean it's right. Correct. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly not compliant with building code or, or best practices in any way, shape, or form. Because when you dump all that bathroom moisture into your attic, 
if it's cold in the winter, you get condensation under on the, all of the lumber up there, and I've seen nasty mold problems and actually rotted roof sheathing happen as a result of that. But listen, to your earlier question or to your first question, yeah, the bath-fan combos are the way to go with a moisture-sensing switch. Now, it may or may not be built in to the bath-fan combo unit. You might have to buy that separately, but it'll fit you know, in the typical switch space in, in the wall outlet. Uh, and this way you can set it for a humidity level that makes sense, and it will run after you leave the bathroom. I think that's when most of these problems happen because generally if people don't like their mirrors fogged, right, so they turn the fan on while they're in the bath in the shower, uh, and then as soon as they leave, they shut it off. But all that moisture lingers in there, settles on the surfaces, and that's how they start to get disgusting. So the uh, best thing for you to do is to get that bath fan combo, to install it with the moisture-sensing switch, and to make sure that you vent it out. Now, if you're in your attic and you have, like, a big gable vent, I'd be okay with you running that duct right over to literally the face of that gable vent and ducting it out that way. But you definitely do not want to just shoot it up into the attic out of sight, out of mind, because give it a couple of years, and it will definitely be back in mind when you have to do a very expensive roof repair as a result. All right, James, I hope that helps you out. Next up, Judy from Delaware wrote in, and she wants to know how to remove a mosaic tile backsplash from the wall without damaging the wall that it's glued to. You know, I don't actually think that's possible, <laughs> and here's so why. Either. Because if it's drywall, right, drywall is made of paper and plaster, and when it's glued to the drywall, it's glued to the paper, and the paper is not nearly as strong as the glue. So your options really at this point would be to go ahead and pull it off and then just replace the drywall, which is in that backsplash area, which frankly is not that big of a deal of a construction project, or you could tile right over it. You know, a lot of times tile projects are much thicker than what you would see in just a single tile. I mean, think about a mud wall. In those cases, the tile jobs are very thick. You're just going to have a bigger return on the edge uh, where it goes back to the wall. You need a deeper tile for that. But I think you could put whatever you like right over that existing mosaic as long as it's well adhered. Right, Leslie? I mean, I think so. And as long as you're able to create a smooth surface to attach to and get those tiles to lay flat, I mean, I wouldn't go with something smaller than that mosaic. If that's possible, I'd go with a larger tile size to kind of bridge all of those spaces. But I definitely think that's possible and it's really going to save you a big step. And you know what, Judy, you're going to find that your space, your kitchen is totally transformed just by changing that backsplash. So the only areas of concern would be places where you have an outlet or a switch that you're just going to have to bump out those boxes to accommodate for the extra thickness, but you will be so thrilled with the change you're about to make. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, we really appreciate you guys spending a part of your day with us. We hope that we've been helpful. We hope that uh, you've learned a thing or two about taking on the projects around your house, saving some money, making yourself more comfortable. Maybe you're planning projects for the future. If you're thinking about something you'd like to get done, you need some direction, some advice on how to do that, I want to remind you that you can reach out to us 24-7 at moneypit.com or by calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Until then, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.